Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Well, we're honored to be with you guys here today. I'm uh, Clay Jones, and this is... And I'm Whitney. We get the privilege of being hey. the creative pastors uh, and worship pastors. Come on, give her a... She go. All right, all right. Hot crowd, hot crowd. <laughs> Church is going to be great today, isn't it? Come on, I love it. Uh, you know, we're going to Nashville today, and Nashville's a place that Whitney and I uh, really love. I've lived in Nashville before. I moved there when I was 19. I don't know how some of y'all were raised, but I was raised, if I didn't go to college, I was on my own, and so my parents said, which I appreciate that, but my parents raised me that way. But uh, when I was 19, I said, I'm, I'm going to move to Nashville. So I moved to Nashville when I was 19 years old, and we've gone back uh, just year after year. I've gone there to songwrite. Whitney and I together go out there to songwrite. And it's just been a, a city that's really close to our hearts. And how many of you guys have ever been to Nashville? Oh, that's a lot of people. That's really great. It's, you know, Music City. It's such a great town. How many of you guys love country music? Oh, come on. More people than have been in Nashville. I love it. All right, we're in good company today. <laughs> I have, like, this secret love of country music in my life. So, anyway, uh, but we love Nashville very much. And one of, there's a few of our favorite things to do in Nashville, but... Uh, if you're going anytime soon, we highly recommend this place called the Pancake Pantry. If you've never been to the Pancake Pantry, we, we call their, we have a special word for their, uh, for their sauce that you put well, on. Well, they call it that. They so call it that. So it's okay for us to call it that. They call it crack syrup. Crack syrup. Because it's so addictive and it's so good. <laughs> it's like cinnamon and sugar and something. It's like 90% butter and it's amazing. It's so but good. if you ever go to Nashville, you got to stop by the Pancake Pantry. It's been there since like the 50s and, and we love that city. But uh, some of my other favorite things to do in Nashville is I, I love to go to songwriting nights. And if you've ever been to Nashville, it is a songwriting town. It's a place where a, a ton of songwriters live. And if you go, you can go to most any, uh, you know, songwriting place. Much you, if you ever watch that TV show Nashville, you've probably heard of the Bluebird Cafe. And there's all these different cafes. Played. The place that uh, I go to oftentimes is called the Listening Room. It's just a place where you go, and all these writers just sit in a row, and they, they play songs that they've written. So uh, in going to Nashville this week, we wanted to take, bring a little bit of Nashville to you. Is that okay if we do that? Awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to bring a little bit of Nashville home to you guys here at Elevate Life. I have with I have with me today. I, I brought my. Excuse me, just a second. You're gonna you're gonna experience Nashville today. This is gonna be great. Uh, you're like yeah. Uh, I brought with me. This is this is my 1949 Martin. So this guitar was. Uh, actually purchased by my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, in 1951. He was living in Los Angeles, him and my grandma. And my grandpa bought this guitar because he was going to a four-square Bible college there in Los Angeles. I think it's actually the place where it was is actually the Dream Center today where Matthew Barnett pastors. And as a part of some of the mission outreaches they would do for, for school is they would go out into like West Hollywood and the streets of Hollywood and they would stand on the back of truck beds and they would pull into the street and they would have... Uh, just little meetings and worship times uh, and ministry times at the, on the back of these trucks in Los Angeles. And I guess my grandpa needed a guitar for it, so he ended up buying this guitar in 1951. It's a 1949 Martin. And he ended up later on in life giving it to my dad, my dad being born out in L.A. And then, and then he gave it, my dad ended up giving it to me when, I don't know, I was probably about 12 years old. So 
This guitar is a family heirloom. It is really close to my heart. I'll only let one person touch it here at the church, really. It's like, it kind of goes with me really close. And if I ever get to take any one thing to heaven, I'm taking this with me, right? I don't know if you have anything like that. But uh, I wanted to share a song. I wrote a song about the guitar. And honestly, the song is really for me. But Whitney thought that I should really share this song as a part of our time together today. So I'm going to share this song with you. This song is called 49. Guitar my dad played when he was a kid. I opened up that worn out case like a pirate's treasure chest. My daddy put it in my hands and said, Your granddaddy bought it back in 51. And we'd sing songs to Jesus as granddad shrugged. He told me about how music changed his whole life and one day this guitar would soon change mine yeah there's something about the way she sings and every time I hold her brings the sweetest memories the day my daddy said to me son now she's yours you know that was a day that changed my Ten years later with that old guitar I played a million places near and far But it finally brought me back here To the roots where I began Where I played this old guitar in our church band And it was there that I heard the sweetest sound most beautiful girl like an angel out. And somehow music led me to the love of my life I knew that one day she would be my wife and Yeah, there's something about the way she sings And every time I hold her, Lord, she sets my heart at ease the day her daddy said to me, son, now she's yours. You know that was a day that changed my world. You know that was a day that changed my world. I have a love for music, and music led me to love from this old family guitar to the family I've dreamed of If you unwound my life And followed the thread You'd find this old guitar Under mom and dad's bed You'd find this old guitar Under mom and dad's bed Now there's a 49 Martin here Under our bed
Thank you, guys. Every time he gets to that second verse, I want to go, that's me. It's about me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. You know, there's something really powerful about a song. I love music because a song is a story. And, you know, when I sit down to write that song, it's just really awesome for me to sit down and think about how, you know, this kid finding a guitar under his dad's bed. And, and I'm honored to have my parents here with us today uh, and my mom and dad. So, I <laughs> would y'all stand? I know it would embarrass the daylights out of you, but these are my parents right here. This is my mom and dad. <laughs> But thanks, guys. Um, but I just think about how God, you know, the things that are so small in life that may seem insignificant, thinking back on that and going, God was guiding me even as a kid, finding a guitar and developing a passion for music and with the family that I've been raised in to become who I am today and get to have the family I led today. And I really, I really do think about it. Part of me even meeting, meeting Whitney was we met because of a lot of worship and music, and I wouldn't even be interested in worship and music maybe if I didn't find that guitar under my parents' bed. But there's something powerful about stopping and thinking about what God has done in your life. There's something powerful when you stop and you reflect on looking back and you put pieces together and go, God, maybe you were working something together there. Maybe you were doing something really great. And, you know, the Bible talks about this word selah. Uh, David, when he wrote the Psalms, you'll see oftentimes in in the Psalms, he'll say Selah. It means stop and think about it. And today we're going to talk about how to have a worshipful life. How do you have a worshipful life? I think one of the first steps we have to do is we have to stop and think about it. Stop and think about what God has done in your life. You know, and you may not be a songwriter per se, but you have a story to tell. And when you stop and you think about what God's done in your life, then you start to realize that you do have a story to tell. Maybe, maybe you don't have kids yet, so you don't have kids to tell that story to, but you've got friends to tell the story about what God's been doing in your life. You've got coworkers who you can share your story with. That's a way to live a worship-filled life is to think about what God's doing and find that story that you can tell. You know, I think part of the reason I am who I am today as a worshiper and really as a man who serves God I think I'm the way I am a lot because of the stories my family brought me when I was a kid. And I, from my grandfather on my dad's side to my grandfather on, on both my grandparents on both my mom and dad's side, I just had stories. My mom's, dad, my mom's dad would tell me stories every time he came into town about just all these things God was doing in his life. He would always share with me. He would open up his world and share with me about what God was doing in his life. Sometimes we get so closed off and we think, you know, people don't want to hear about that. But... That's part, part of the reason the way I am today is because people shared those stories with me. You know, my mom and dad, even when I was growing up, they would share stories with me about how, you know, you were prophesied over when you were a little kid. And, you know, these people prophesied over you and talked about what great things you do in the kingdom. And I didn't necessarily, like, want to be a pastor. When I grew up, I wasn't like the kid who wanted to grow up and be a pastor. I, I wanted to, if I could play Steve Ray Vaughan for a living, I would want to do that, you know. But I'm more a guitar player than <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but. I, I felt those stories, I heard those stories, and it stirred up a passion in me, it stirred up faith in me. You know, one story I think about oftentimes is, uh, even has to do with this guitar here, is my dad's dad, even a couple of Christmases ago, he was resharing this story, 
And he said that him and my grandma in LA were going to this tent revival. And they walked into this tent revival. And I think they said they were standing in the back because it was getting pretty like crazy in there. I don't know what was happening, but it was a tent revival. It was pretty crazy. And, you know, I think about you guys here in church today. This may be your first time in Elevate Life. And you may come in here today and go, man, this is kind of crazy. If worship was a little too much for you, you may be feeling like, man, it's a little crazy. And they were standing, uh, from what I understand, they're standing in the back of this place kind of watching what was happening. And, and they were believers, but anyway, they were just watching. And he said, all of a sudden, it's like an electric current. He said, it felt like something like an electric current shot from the front to the back of the place. He said, it just felt like it hit them. And him and my grandma looked at each other and just said, man, something, something powerful is happening here. And they went home that night. And my grandma, in that season of her life, she wore bottle-thick glasses. Uh, and so every morning she would wake up and she'd reach over and grab those bottle-thick glasses and put them on because she couldn't see without them. So the first thing she did, maybe even before she opened her eyes, was put on her glasses. And the next morning she woke up and she reached over and she put on those glasses and she couldn't see. She's like, Rudy, I can't see. My grandpa's name is Rudy. And I, 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 I see it as my grandpa just going like, Marge, we'll try taking off your glasses. I don't know. <laughs> it's like... But she took off her glasses and she could see just fine. She'd been completely healed by the power of God in that meeting. And that's, that's one of the stories and one of the many stories I just grew up hearing because my grandparents, my parents would tell stories. They would tell their story. And my, my grandma can't probably play a song to save her life. She can paint a beautiful painting, but, but she doesn't have a song to sing, but she does have a story to tell. And she tells that story to our family and it stirs up faith in all of us kids. It stirs up our passion for what Jesus can do. And I know that Whitney was raised in much of the same kind of family. Yes, so if you don't know, I'm Pastor Keith and Sheila's youngest daughter. And, you know, I grew up in a home where my dad was obsessed with music. He had, you know, I'm born in 1990, and I don't know if it was common back then, but they, he had speakers all throughout our house so that he could constantly listen to music. And it was, when I say it was nonstop, it was nonstop. And, um, you know, my friend Amber, she actually laughs all the time because the song will come on the radio or I'll be playing something and she'll be like what is this song how do you even know it and it's some 70s song that's like ingrained in me and um my dad's the one who introduced me to Whitney Houston and Celine Dion who um are mentors from afar for me and um and then I remember he had this membership to Integrity Music and there was this new group that came out, and they were called Hillsong. And uh, a lady named Darlene Check wrote a song called Shout to the Lord. And Shout to the Lord, like, changed the church world of worship. And, and it really, you know, for me, when Darlene Check came out, it was like, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a worship leader. I want to lead people in worship. And um, my dad really encouraged me in that and, and fostered that and, um, you know, would speak that over me because that was something that I was so passionate about is singing and worshiping God. And because he had that music going nonstop and more than anything worship music, then my passion for that began to develop. And so he would ride his exercise bike and listen to worship music so loud and I would dance around him. And so I brought two videos so that you can see what it was like growing up in my house. Worship the Lord with me. Oh, wanna be more like you. I wanna be a vessel you like me. I 
Whitney, God loves that when you dance before him. Worship the Lord. first video I'm four and the second video I'm six and you know I think you can watch that video and go oh how sweet and how cute but from a young age God was really doing something in me and you know every day my dad would sing our home and sing himself into God's presence and um and I just remember seeing that and wanting that and um, wanting to be able to do that in my own life. And I'm sure most people didn't grow up in a home like that. But that's something that you can begin to do with your families. And, and you can bring God's presence into your house every single day. And having a dad that did that helped encourage me and, and show me what my calling was in life. So. Yeah, and I think about, you know, it's no wonder... You know, we were raised like this, and again, like she said, some of you may not have grown up in homes like this, but really, it's never too late to begin a culture of worship in your family and in your home, no matter how old you are. You know, and I think, I think about some of the trials I faced in life, and when I was 19, I, I did move to Nashville, and when I moved there, I began to face one of the greatest struggles of my life, really, that I've ever faced. It was, I was, I struggled with anxiety and fear. And I know that many people even here today may struggle with anxiety, fear, maybe even depression. And that thing, I don't know if you've ever had it, but where you just feel like you have no control over what your thoughts are, where your emotions are going, or maybe you've been gripped by fear, or gripped by anxiety, depression. And I was facing that, and it was, it was a really serious thing in my life at that, at that point in my life. And the only thing I knew to do, maybe because of the way I was growing up, I grew up, but the only thing I knew to do was to put on worship music. So I would get in my car and I would put on worship music. And I remember driving down the street, singing at the top of my lungs, crying my eyes out because all I needed to do was go, God, I can't feel like I can control this, but I know that you are greater than any problem I may be facing. But if I put on some praise, if I begin to take the attention off of myself and put the attention on God, being grateful for what he's gonna do, what he is doing in my life, I knew that he could really pull through. And I really look back right now and if you would have told me back then that you would, if Clay, you know, you will, you'll have a season of your life where you do not deal with fear or anxiety at all. Honestly, I probably would have been like, that would be a miracle if that could be possible. But I don't deal with any anxiety or any fear right now in my life. And I think a lot of it was broken off my life because when I faced it, I brought worship into my atmosphere. I brought the praise of God. And you know what? I would encourage you, church, no matter what you may be facing, just begin to have an atmosphere of worship in your home, in your car. Choose to go there. I love secular music. I do. I'm driving here from Florida this week. I had my 80s pop playlist. I had my 80s rock playlist. I was, just, I was in the 80s on the drive here this week. I don't even want to tell you the bands I was listening to. Anyway, but, but 
I do know that worship is my sword that I draw when I am facing anything in my life. And it is also the way I begin my day is begin with praise. And I think, you know, it also taught me that the second half of being a worshiper is being a warrior. And actually the more important thing about being a warrior is being a worshiper. And here at the church we have a warrior culture. And Pastor Keith really does set this example well. He is a warrior, yes, but first and foremost he's a worshiper. And I think about David in the Bible. David was seen as a great warrior. But when David fought Goliath, one of the greatest battles in history, when he stood before Goliath, he did not stand before Goliath a great warrior. He honestly stood before Goliath just a kid. A kid who was bringing his brother's cheese because his brothers were the warriors fighting in the battle. He was a kid bringing them cheese. But when he got to that place, he heard Goliath defying his God. And what arose in him was that worshiper's heart that says, you're defying the God that I worship. You're defying the God that I praise, that I know can come through and destroy you. So when he stood before Goliath, he said, you come to me in the name of your God and you're cursing my God. But I come to you in the name of the God most high who we serve and you're going to fall today. And he, and he defeated Goliath not as a great worshiper, as a great warrior, but he defeated Goliath as a great worshiper. And men... We need to raise up as worshipers in our home. I believe that there's a mandate on the man, on the father, on, uh, to be a worshiper. I also think about Joshua. Uh, Joshua was another great warrior. He's the one who led the Israelites into the promised land and led all the battles. The first one being Jericho. And Joshua, when they were done with all their battles, there's a scripture that says that he said to the Israelites, listen, you can go serve these other gods of these people that we've taken over. He said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I believe that we need some men who will stand up before their families, stand up before their kids and say, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and decide to be a worshiper that heads up the house. And I think it's appreciated, you know. Yeah, and, you know, like Clay said, you know, I really did grow up with a dad who did that and modeled that as you saw on those videos and my dad was never afraid and still isn't to this day no matter where we are he could bust out in song at the top of his lungs and um you know people used used to and still do will come up to us and go oh I'm sorry like does that embarrass you and it's like no this is my life this is my dad it's awesome and you know even when me and Kila were little my dad would be sitting in front of us on an airplane and without telling us whatever he was thinking, you'd just see his hand come up over the seat and he'd go, one, two, three. And we would just knew that was the time to bust out in song. So we we're both, you know, singing so loud. And eventually the flight attendant comes over and she goes, hey, would you guys mind singing that on the intercom? So we ended up singing this song on the intercom. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of family and the kind of dad I grew up with. But I think that we all have different insecurities that we face and different things that we feel like, oh, you know, no, I couldn't do that or I shouldn't do that. And maybe some of you, you come here or in your life and, oh, I'm not a singer. We'll leave the singing to the singers, the people that sound good. And that's not my personal insecurity. But for me, you know, when Clay started going to Nashville since we've been married and just even in life, you know, he would write all of these songs. And I kind of just would tell everybody, you know, that's not a part of my destiny. I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't really have a passion for it. But I was really just insecure about it and what I had to bring to that to write a song. And Clay would go to Nashville, and, you know, not too long ago, I went with him, and I brought Layla with me, my oldest daughter, and we just, 
he went and wrote, and we went to the Grand Old Opry, and we toured everything. And, you know, I had to get her in front of that microphone. That could be the future. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I I remember being on that trip and being like, man, I've got to, like, I've got to start writing. I know it's a part of my destiny. I know it's a part of what God's called me to do. And so Clay planned another trip, and... You know, we talked about it, and it was like, you need to go. Like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do it. And we were in the car before going into the first writing session, and I'm so nervous. I'm like, all these people in here are going to be professionals, and I'm like this amateur writer. Like, they're going to smell it on me as soon as I get in there is what I felt like. <laughs> and um, But I, I told Clay, I'm like, I just feel like if I can just get myself in the room, if I can just get in there, just get in the room, then I believe that God's going to help me and I'm going to ask him to help me. And I can't tell you, like, you know, we that week, we were there for a whole week, how many song rights we went to and just God totally showed up and several of them I was crying because I went, you know what, I do have a song to sing because these songs we're writing are about God and they're about my love for him. So this is a lot easier than I thought because of how much I love God and you know, I think for some of us, we've just just decided, you know, that's not a part of, this isn't a part of what I should do or what God's called me to do. And, um, but for us to write songs that, that glorify God are the things that mean the most to me. And in Psalms 96, the Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name each day. Proclaim the good news that he saves. And, you know, they... God called us all to sing. God called us all to worship him. And I really want to encourage you in that because worship, you know, it's not just singing songs and it's not something that the church just traditionally does. God created us to worship. And because he created us, we're thankful and we have a desire to worship him. True worship must be felt. It's a heartfelt expression of love, adoration, wonder, and celebration. It's not just going through the motions. Thanking God and worshiping God positions our heart in the right place. It changes our focus in the midst of what we face or what we will face. So whatever you're going through right now, as soon as you begin to express gratitude and thankfulness to God, it puts your heart in the right place and totally changes your focus onto the greatness of our God and not on what you're facing. And we have, you know, some of you might wonder, you know, why do we worship the way that we do? Why do we lift our hands? Why are there instruments? Why do we sing? Why do we shout? And there's seven Hebrew words that mean worship and explain why we worship the way we do. Yeah, the first word is a word called halal. And it means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, to sing with a loud voice. And Psalm 149 says, let them praise, uh, the word is halal, let, him, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises with the timbrel and harp. And you know, David even said, uh, I will be even more undignified than this. So he said, I'll embarrass myself with my praise. Another word is yadah. It's a verb with root meaning the extended hand, to throw out the hand, therefore to worship with hands extended. Psalm 63 says, so I will bless the Lord for as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. 
And you know, that's why we, that's why we raise our hands in church. It's a biblical uh, image in motion to say, God, I give you my life. It, it's, they've been doing it, think about how many thousands of years people have been worshiping God by lifting of our hands. And I oftentimes think of my daughter, Livy, who comes to me and if she ever needs daddy, she's lifting up her hands, right? And so even during worship, when I'm lifting up my hands, I, I often think like when I'm lifting my hands like this, I'm going, God, I need you. I, I'm like reaching for you. And then oftentimes I put up my hands like this, like, God, I, I want to receive what you want to give to me right now. I want to receive your goodness. I want to receive uh, your, whatever it is that you want to give me today, not for my benefit, but for your benefit, God. I know that you are a God who loves me, who wants to just pour out your blessing. And so I do this to receive. Uh, it's, just, it's just the lifting of our hands to God. There's another word that says sabak, to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Can we lift our voice real quick? Come on! Yeah. <laughs> yes. As Pastor Keith says, we do loud well here. <laughs> so sabak means to shout. Uh, Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to the God with cries of joy. Another word says barak. It means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. Psalm 95 says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And I love that word barak because I actually did a study of that word one time. But I love that it means to bless. And one of the things I think about is uh, when I go stay with my grandparents out in West Texas, they still pastor a church out there. And they get up every morning and they go pray at the church. And one of the things I'll hear my grandma say as she's praying is she, I, I hear her just constantly saying, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. And, and she, her and my grandpa walk around, and so I'll go there with him, and I'll just walk around the church with him and pray with him. But I hear my grandma just always saying, bless you, Lord. And, man, it just really touched me when, when I really heard her do that because I just thought, what does God see when he sees this faithful daughter looking at him saying, bless you, God? Not bless me, God, but bless you, Lord. Like, what kind of heart looks at God and says, God, I bless your name. I bless you. I want to see you prosper, God. I want to see your word go forth. If you're that great for me, I want to see you be that great for someone else. So I bless your name today, Lord. And I just want to have that kind of heart, that kind of faithful heart to God that says, God, I want to bless you today. I want to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Man, so good. Okay, so it's good for me. I'm, I'm receiving something today. Zamar. <laughs> I received something just being around them. So Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument, <clears throat> to sing, to praise. If you wonder why we play instruments, I know uh, many churches just sing. and just uh, They value just singing, but we value loud instruments as well. And hopefully not too loud, but we value bringing the instrument. Psalm 57 says, awake my glory. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations. Another word is tehillah. It's derived from the word halal. The singing, it means the singing of halals. It involves music, especially singing hymns of the spirit. Isaiah 61 says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, and festive praise instead of despair. And the last word is a word called Tauda. And Whitney wanted to talk yes, about that. Yes, it's one of my favorites. It means an extension of the hand in adoration or acceptance. It's used for thanking God for the things not yet received and the things already received. And I love that and how it applies to my own life because when I was about four or five months pregnant, I was at my parents' house and my daughter was taking a nap there. And I was talking to my mom on the phone, and she goes, hey, baby, I just wanted to let you know that Denny and Dianza, which are kind of like my aunt and uncle, Pastor Denny's spoken here a couple times, um, they're bringing Denny Rodney, who's their son. 
and I know these people. I've grown up with these people, and I go, who's Denny Rodney? My mom goes, ha, ha, you're so funny. And my mom's really silly. Sometimes she'll be telling me and my sister about something. She'll be like, yeah, you know, I was talking to Carol the other day, and she said, who is Carol? So in my mind, I'm just thinking, oh, it's another one of those situations. And she goes, baby, you should know who Denny Rodney is. And I'm like, well, I don't know who that is, so it's not a big deal. Hung up the phone, and she, you know, in her mind was like, okay, something's really wrong. So I start going through my emails, and I don't know who any of my emails are from. So I call Clay, and I'm like, hey, babe, who is Brian Mag? And I couldn't pronounce she his couldn't last remember. name. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian Magianis works with us, and, and he's a graphic designer, and we work with him day in and day out. And she's like, who's Brian Mag? I can't remember his name. And I'm going, baby, that's Brian. We work with him every day. And I'm in Nashville, so I'm not even home. And she's by herself at home with the kids. And I'm going, sweetheart, are you okay? I go, okay, who's the president? She couldn't tell me who the president was. And she said she started going numb on one side of her face. And, you know, she starts crying on the phone and says, honey, I think I'm maybe having a stroke or something. Like, something's not right. And Yeah, and actually when I'm, I thought that too, because when I'm pregnant, I take blood thinner shots and I'm already considered high risk. And so... Um, all of a sudden I can't see out of one of my eyes, the left side of my body starts to go numb. And so Clay had called my mom and said, somebody needs to go get Whitney, something's really wrong. And so my mom called my dad because she wasn't in a place where she could come get me. And so my dad comes in, when he gets there, I, I go to call my mom back to let him her know that he's there. And as she picks up the phone, she says, how are you doing? And I couldn't speak. I was, um, 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 like, I knew what I wanted to say, but nothing was coming out. And so my dad very quickly basically picks me up, gets Layla out of her bed, and we go to the hospital. And they tell me, we think you had some, I do a CAT scan, all this stuff. We think you had something called a complex migraine. And I'm like, there is no way. I don't even have a headache. Like, I'm frustrated you're even saying that. And it happens a couple more times, and, you know, I went to the hospital. And so through a series of tests, we found out that I was having seizures. And so, you know, when you're not just yourself does do things like that worry you, but when you're pregnant and you're caring for another life, you're thinking about that life. And, um, and so, thank God, I get through my pregnancy, and I have a beautiful baby girl, um, but, you know, now, you know, even here today, I take seizure medicine every day. And it's something that, you know, in my mind and in my heart, I go, okay, like, come on, God, like, why, why am I facing this? Why do I have this? But I love this word because it, it makes me be able to go, you know what, God, like, I believe you're going to fight this battle for me. I thank you for my healing. I thank you that it's already here. God, I trust you. <laughs> I trust that you're going to fight this battle for me. And I think all of us, we have things that, you know, could define us. We've been through divorces, so divorce might define us. We're going through cancer, so cancer might define us, or insecurity, or fear, or whatever it may be. But when we worship God, and it takes the, the focus and attention off of what we're facing, and it puts the attention on the greatness of our God, and, and the thankfulness, and, and how grateful we are for a God that's the God that we serve, that's the healer, that's the deliverer, that's the redeemer. And when we can focus on that, then, then it 
wipes away those definitions. It wipes away those things that have defined us. And worship really does fight those battles for us. But you also have to do your part in the battle. It's like I talked about songwriting. You have to get yourself in the room. You have to get yourself in that place where you go, you know what, God, I don't even, I'm not even in a place where I feel like I can lift my hands. But God, help me lift my hands. Give me the string. Help me to sing this song to you because I am thankful. I am grateful. I want to worship you today. And I shared this story a few weeks ago during worship, but um, King Jehoshaphat was told that all of these armies were coming against him, and it was there was no way that he would be able to fight these armies. And so everybody's freaking out. They don't know what they're going to do. But God spoke to them, and in Second Chronicles 20:17, the Bible says that God said to them, "You won't have to lift a hand in this battle." Just stand firm and watch God's saving work for you take shape. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. March out boldly tomorrow. God is with you. So Jehoshaphat and his army go out, and Jehoshaphat says, you know what? I want to send the worshipers out first. I want this army to go out singing praise to God. And so they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You know, church, I don't know what you're facing today, but if you can go out every day and give thanks to the Lord and proclaim the great things that he's done and that he will do, then you will have the victory. Giving thanks to God Yes, giving thanks to God and worshiping him is the beginning of that victory. Whenever you're thankful, you can't be fearful. You can't be prideful. You can't be insecure. It stops you from being defined by what you don't have or maybe what's been spoken over you. Pastor Keith says you can't be negative and grateful at the same time, and it's so true. You know, my sister was going through a very difficult time a few years ago, and she actually went through a divorce. Her husband had left her for another woman, and it was something that she absolutely could not control. And she started having panic attacks and or anxiety attacks. And so um, Dr. Robbie, who's been at our church a few times, he's a clinical psychologist, and he happened to be in town when we were and she was going through this, and she asked him, she said, how do I make these stop? Like, I'm, they're so, I'm so out of control, like I can't, I can't figure out how to make them stop. And so he told her that her brain had made a neural pathway as a coping mechanism for what she had been through. And that results in anxiety attacks, panic attacks, depression, and forms of PSD. So neural pathways are like train tracks. They don't change directions unless you redirect them by flipping a switch. Neural pathways that are rooted in fear are the strongest. He said that they're even stronger than a brain that's been on drugs. They're harder to, to change. And so he said that the way to redirect that is to say out of your mouth and sing what you're grateful for. You can't just think it in your head, but you have to say it or sing it out loud for things to shift, for things to change. And she said, okay, well, how long will that take? Like, there's no way that this is a real thing. 
And he said, no, it is. Just try it. And over time, you'll see like a train track, it'll switch and those will stop. And that's what happened in her life. She began to do that. She began to say how grateful she was to God, the things that she's thankful for. And maybe today, you don't know what you're thankful for. Maybe you're in that dark of a place that, that you can't even think of anything to be thankful for. But if you just begin to say out of your mouth, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm grateful. Just even just those words, like Amber said in worship, you know, if you have breath in your body, then the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In Psalms 95, the Bible says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. I don't think that it means let's sing in our joyous happiness, gratefulness, whatever. I think it means let's sing for joy. So when we sing, we get these, this exchange happens. And when we've been in a dark place, when we've been in a place where we don't feel joy, where we don't feel peace, then when we sing out, that joy comes. So in the middle of fear, in the middle of pain, in the middle of lack of control, we thank God out loud. And I believe those things will switch like a train track. You know, Paul and Silas, they're a great example of this. They understood the power of worship. They, in Acts, they, the Bible says they had been preaching and casting out demons and healing people. And something about what they were doing upset the authorities there. And the town magistrate actually had them beaten with rods and thrown into prison and placed them in stocks or in change in chains. And, um, you know, this was something that was very unjust. They were trying to do works for God and, and, you know, naturally you would think, oh, why would this happen? But in Acts 16, 25 through 26, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in the middle of the prison, in the middle of a dark place. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. You know, that's so powerful because just, I mean, when I think about even my life and, and having seizures and different things that I've been through or even my sister's life, you know, you go, I live my life to serve God. Like every day my calling and my destiny is, is to serve God and to help other people love God and love God more. So why would these things happen to me? I'm, I'm a Christian. Like, God, why would you allow these things to happen? But we live in a fallen world. And, and just like Paul and Silas, you know, we could be beaten down. We could be defeated. We could be sitting there going, why, God, why would you allow this to happen? But Paul and Silas, they weren't beaten down. They weren't defeated. They so trusted God that in the midst of a situation they couldn't control that was very unjust, they chose to praise and thank God. And in the midst of that prison, after they've been beaten and put in this prison, they decided to invite God's presence into that place. And that is where they had the victory. That's where the breakthrough happened. And their worship, that it gave them strength. It gave them peace. It gave them joy. And when you sing a song that glorifies God, not just any song, when you sing a song that glorifies God, you are actively putting yourself into the presence of God. That's what my dad did every day. He actively put himself into the presence of God. Psalms 100, the message version says, on your feet now, applaud God, bring a gift of laughter, sing yourself into his presence. God is God, he made us, we didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, 
thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and forever. You know, I don't know what you're believing God for today. Or maybe you're believing God for someone else that you're believing that God will do a miracle. You know, in that story of Paul and Silas, the Bible says that not just were their chains broken, but everyone's chains in that prison. And that jailer that was watching over all of the prisoners, that night he actually got saved and his whole entire family was saved. And that's so powerful because it's not just when we sing and we worship God, it's so not just about us. And I was in Sprinkles the other day with Layla and we're standing in line. There's at least 12 other people there. And we're all standing there and all of a sudden she just looks at me and she goes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the by, and it started getting louder, tells me so. So she sings through the whole song, and then after she finishes the song, she starts going, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. And I'm sitting there going, you know, naturally when your mom, if your kids start singing really loud, you're like, okay, there's other people here. And I go, you know what? She's praising God right now. So I just said, go girl. So then she's, Jesus loves me. And after that, this guy came up to me and He's like, I just want, wanted to let you know how much that blessed me. And we're believers and how much that blessed me. And after that, you know, I just I almost started crying because I just went like, it's so funny, but it's so awesome. I have no idea who was standing in that line. I have no idea. Maybe there was somebody that had been away from God, somebody that was struggling or someone that didn't know Jesus. And in that moment, that little two-year-old brought in the presence of God right there into sprinkles. And you know, in our lives, we have that opportunity. We have that opportunity to sing ourselves into his presence, to invite him in everywhere we go, and to, and to help be a part of breaking chains in other people's lives. So like I said, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's been spoken over you what's been told that you have or, or what insecurity you're facing, what pride you're facing or what chains are binding you. Can I encourage you that the chain breaker is here. The God of victory is in this place today. And he wants to do the impossible in your life. And if we can just thank him, if we can just worship him, You'll see that exchange happen. You'll feel that exchange happen where you've had peacelessness, where you've had unrest, where there's been darkness, where there's been depression. That light comes, that peace comes, that faith comes, that strength comes. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.